Thank Jesus. Thank you, God. Well, good morning and welcome to uh, First Church. We are so glad that you're here with us today. My name is Andrew and I am the lead pastor uh, here at First Church. And we thank you for joining us on what is the very last week of our sermon series called We Are. We Are. What have we been doing? We've been exploring the mission and the vision to which God has called our church in these coming years. If you're just joining us, here is our mission statement at First Church. We say it like this. Say it with me. We exist to live out God's story in our community. We exist to live out God's story in our community. That's who we are. That's why we are here. You say, well, how do you do that? By living out our eight core values. And today is our eighth and our final value. I pray that this sermon series has been as big of a blessing to you as it has been to me because I truly do believe that God is revealing his vision to us. Now, as you know by now, all of these are my favorite, right? They're all my favorite values, but this one for real, right, is the favorite of the favorites, right? This is my favorite favorites. It is missional living, Missional living. Okay, congregation participation time. How many of you have seen at least one of the Mission Impossible movies? At least one of the Mission, nobody's recording this, all right? At least one of the Mission Impossible movies. Very good. How many of you have never seen one of the Mission Impossible movies? You've never seen one? Very good. Very good. Good number of you. So I'm not sure which one I am. I think I saw half of one once, but I got so confused because it was like they made the the middle three first and then the first three, or was that Star Wars? I don't know. E- either way, I just got really confused and kind of gave up. But even if you haven't seen Mission Impossible, right, and you're uncultured like me, you're probably familiar with the most famous line in the movie, right? If you know it, say it with me. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, right? Your mission should you choose to accept it, right? And then the message goes, this message will self-destruct in five seconds, right? Now, unlucky for you, I'm not going to be done in the next five seconds, okay? Uh, Nor am I going to self-destruct, which would be really memorable, right? But what I am going to do for you is I'm going to tell you what Jesus says our mission is. In fact, it's found in chapter of of Acts, uh, chapter 1, verse 8, and and this is what Jesus says. It's his very last words before leaving earth, and Jesus doesn't self-destruct. He actually ascends into heaven, right, which is so much cooler than anything Tom Cruise ever did, and so that's awesome. And so here is Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you will receive, say it with me, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus says, you will receive power and you will be my witnesses. Witnesses of what? Witnesses of his life. Witnesses of his death. Witnesses of his resurrection. Witnesses of the power of his Holy Spirit living in your life. He says, this is what you do. You will be my witnesses everywhere you go. So how do we do it? I want to begin by exploring a couple things that missional living um, is not, right? And then we'll look at how do we live out uh, missional living. Uh, What is missional living not? First, if you're taking notes, 
missional living is not moving to another country. All right? Missional living is not moving to another country. That's what we call being a missionary, right? Missionary. Now, missionaries probably, like 99.9% of them, are probably living missionally, right? Hopefully, right? But you don't have to be a missionary in order to do missional living. Uh, people say, well, I, I can't do this one because that's like where God tells me to sell my house and sell my car and sell the cat and sell the kids, right? And I'm not up for that, and so I can't do missional living. But missional living is not being a missionary. It's not going to another country. Second, if you're taking notes, it is not attending a church with a mission, it's not attending a church with a mission. So somebody goes up to you and says, hey, are you living missionally? And you pull out your bulletin. You say, yep, right here. First church, member, right? Missional living. This is me. This is our church, right? It just because you go to a church with a mission doesn't mean you're living missionally. Just like me going to a birthing class doesn't make me a pregnant woman, right? Uh, so I try as I might, I can learn all the techniques. I can learn all the breathing patterns, right? But it doesn't make me a pregnant woman because it's not in my DNA. It's not in my culture. And so what I would submit to you that just because you're in a church with a mission or just because you hang out with people on a mission doesn't mean necessarily that you are living missionally. What is missional living and not? It's not moving to another country. It's not attending a church with a mission. And third, and don't miss this, it is not doing one more thing. It's not doing one more thing. It's not one more thing on top of everything else. We've already established in our previous values, we don't have time for anything else. Our lives are busy, and we do not need one more thing. So it's not like missional living is, well, I'm going to go to work, and then I'm going to live on mission. Or I'm going to go out to eat, and then I'm going to live on mission. Or, or I'm going to hang out with the friends, or I'm going to spend time with my family, or I'm going to go to church, and then I'm going to live on mission. Because missional living is not another part of life. In fact, at First Church, we say it like this. I'd encourage you to jot this down. Missional living is not just another part of my life. Missional living is a way of life. Missional living is not one more thing that I do after I've done all my other list of tasks. It's actually a whole new way of life. That's why the way that we say our core value is so very important. I encourage you, if you can, read it with me, our eighth core value. We are a church that values missional living. What happens here doesn't stay here. The church does not exist for us, but we are the church and we exist for the world, right? What happens here doesn't stay here because we are the church, Church doesn't exist for me. It's not here to meet my needs. I am the church, and I exist for the world. What happens here doesn't stay here. The work that God does here doesn't stay here. The love that we sense here doesn't stay here. The peace that we get here doesn't stay here. The hope that we receive here doesn't stay here, First Church, because we are the church, and we exist for the world, right? And that's really exciting, and somebody might want to get excited at that some point. So really good, right? So we are the church, right? We are Christ's ambassadors. We are Christ's ambassadors. We are the light of the world. And we don't exist for ourselves, but we exist for the world. 
So how do we live out missional living? Three ways, really simple to write down and really simple to memorize, but extremely difficult to live out. And what I would uh, assert to you today is that if you will live out these values, if you will do these three things, it will transform the community in which we find ourselves. What are the three things? How do we live out missional living? Number one, we say it like this. We will, say it with me, go anywhere. We will, say it with me, go anywhere. In Mark chapter 16 and verse 15, Jesus says this. He said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to whom? All creation. He says, we'll go anywhere and we will preach the gospel to all creation, right? Where do we go? All the world. We preach the gospel to whom? All creation. But remember, missile living is not just going to another country, right? It's not supporting a missionary or going on a short-term missions trip. Those are all well and good, but in fact, at First Church, we say it like this, we cannot live missionally out there until we also live missionally right here. We cannot live missionally out there without also living missionally right here. We're called to go into all the world, and all the world begins right here. We'll go anywhere. We will go anywhere with the good news of Jesus Christ. You say, well, Andrew, could you define what anywhere means? And I'd love to. In fact, if you're taking notes, you can jot this in the side of your bulletin. Here it is. Anywhere means anywhere. (laughs) Right? Anywhere means anywhere. There's no place that we won't go. There's no place that needs so much light and needs so much hope that's in so much darkness that we will not go to. Anywhere means anywhere. I I, I love the way that this is already playing out all over our congregation. I I think today uh, about the story I heard this past week uh, about our administrative uh, assistant, the wife of our uh, Hispanic pastor, Ada Canales. Uh, Ada, uh, last week, went into the Kankakee County Jail, into the Kankakee County Detention Center, um, not as an inmate, okay, in case, we, in case we get confused, right? But she purposely went in, and she takes time off every week, every, uh, every month, to go into the Kankakee County Detention Center to visit with the detained immigrants that are there at the detention center. Uh, right now, in the Kankakee County Detention Center, it, it is absolutely overrun with hundreds of detained immigrants that are waiting to be sent back to their country. And regardless of where you stand on the political aisle of this issue, as Christians, our heart is breaking with compassion when we think about broken families and lives that are torn apart, spouses that are separated, parents that are separated from children. Our heart has to ache at that And so Ada actually goes in, and she said this last week when she got there, they had already loaded up 92 immigrants onto a bus. And she said they were getting ready to pull away, and and she stopped them, and she walked up onto the bus. They let her go in, and she said, I went and I prayed for every single one of those immigrants. I I prayed for every single one of them. I, I, I spoke words of hope over them. I prayed life into them. I brought hope into a dark and a desperate situation. And she said it was absolutely heartbreaking. It was absolutely gut, gut-wrenching. She said, but that's what the church 
does. That's where the church goes. We will go anywhere. We will go into the prisons. We will go into the darkest neighborhoods. We will go to the places that we would never expect to go on our own because of the good news of Jesus Christ. We will go anywhere with the good news of Jesus. Second, if you're taking notes, write this down. We will go anywhere and we will, say it with me, do anything. We will go anywhere and we will do anything. One of my favorite stories in the whole Bible is in Mark chapter 2. It's this story uh, about uh, um, these four friends that uh, wanted to get their paralyzed friend to Jesus. And they're so desperate to get this guy to Jesus, but Jesus is surrounded by all these other people. So what do they do? They actually go up on the rooftop, and I want you to see what happens in verse 4. Since they could not get their friend to Jesus because of the crowd, they, say it with me, they made an opening, where? In the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat that the man was lying on, right? These guys took a paralyzed man up on a mat, dug through a roof, probably with their own hands, and then dropped their paralyzed guy right down in front of Jesus, And I was trying to uh, envision uh, this week what that would look like if I was the homeowner, right, of of that place, right? I was trying to to figure that out, like thinking, you know, is that covered? Like, like you get, you you know, wind damage and hail damage and crazy friend damage. I, I, I don't know, right? Is that covered? But these guys literally dug a hole in the roof because they were so desperate to bring their friend to Jesus. They would do anything. They would do anything. Paul says it like this in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. He says, though I am free and I belong to no man, he says, I have made myself a, say it with me, a slave to everyone. Why? To win as many as possible. Say this with me. I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. All things to all people. So that by all possible means, Paul says, I might save some. In fact, Paul, if he were with us today and using maybe a little more of our language, I think would say it like this. He would say our calling is not to be spiritual consumers. Our calling is to be spiritual contributors. Our calling is not to constantly soak up and absorb and to be fed. Our calling is also to be poured out, to go anywhere, and to do anything. Again, this is already taking place all over our community. I, I think of an example many of you are already aware of, and it's the work that our brother Tom Cook uh, is doing in this county with the Pray as One movements. A couple years ago, uh, God laid on Tom's heart that there were so many divisions and so many barriers, and so many boundaries between churches that didn't need to exist. And God told Tom, you're going to call all the churches to come together, and you're going to come together for one purpose and one purpose only. You're going to pray. You're going to pray, and you're going to pray as one. And so that's what Tom began to do. A couple other community leaders got together, and they began praying, and they began calling churches together. And in the process, they began breaking down the walls with their bare hands. They began digging through the roof, digging through the barriers of, of, these, of, these, of, of these divided communities to bring people together for the good news of Jesus Christ. See, the reason for it is this. We are in a spiritual battle, First Church, But the enemy is not the other churches. 
We are in a spiritual battle, First Church, but the enemy is not the other churches. Amen? The enemy is our spiritual enemy, and we could do immeasurably more together than we ever could apart. We could do immeasurably more together than we ever could apart. And God told Tom, just go. Break down walls. Do anything to bring people to Jesus, to bring churches together in my name. What do we do at First Church? What do we do? We will go anywhere. We will do anything. And then third, and here's the reason why, we will reach anyone. We will reach anyone. We will go anywhere. We will do anything. And we will reach anyone with the good news of Jesus. We will do anything to reach them. We'll do anything. Anyone that no one else is reaching, that's what we will be doing. Because there's no one too lost. There's no one too broken. There's no one too far from the grace of God that cannot be redeemed by the grace of Jesus Christ. Today, what we understand is this. As a church that lives on mission, it shifts our entire paradigm of what we do. You see, churches so often exist to call people to come here, come to our events, come to our services, come to our activities. And what we do is we are actually waiting for people to walk out of darkness on their own so they can find the light. But here's our calling, First Church. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. We do not begin by calling our community to come here. We begin by calling our church to go there. We don't begin by calling our community to come here as if somehow they could save themselves or find the light themselves or rescue themselves. Our calling as a church is to release our people to go there, to go there, to go anywhere, to do anything, and to reach anyone with the good news of Jesus Christ. I had the opportunity this last week to sit down with one of our college students that attends here, a guy by the name of, of Jacob uh, Brugger. He's an intern uh, with our youth program. And uh, I, I met Jacob and we sat down and I said, Jacob, tell me about what you're doing and tell me about your ministry. He said, well, the funniest thing, he, he said, a, a group of friends and I were actually sitting together uh, last week and God told us that we were supposed to go to a bar. Um, and I said, well, that's funny, uh, uh, coincidence, right, that God would tell a college student to go to a bar, right? Really, really good, right? But he said, no, 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 seriously. He told us that we were supposed to go to this bar, and we were supposed to pray for the people that come in and that go out. He, he said, but we got there, he said, and, and we were too young to go in, um, and we didn't want to get suspended by all of that. And so we were just kind of sitting there, and, and God said, just start praying, just start praying. And, and so they began to pray. They, they prayed and they walked and then they walked and then they prayed and, and they just waited for God to do something. And he said, slowly but surely, it started getting people's attention. He, he said, one guy came out and kind of started making fun of them. What are you guys doing? You're praying. You know, don't worry about that. And, and they said, he said, by the end of the conversation, they actually had an opportunity to share the good news of Jesus Christ with that man right? He, he said another woman came out the first night. He, he said she didn't know what to do. She was desperate. She needed assistance. So we just kind of went with her. And we were the hands and the feet of Jesus to meet her needs right where she was. He, he said another guy came out and he was not very happy. He's like, what are you guys doing? Why are you praying here? What are you doing? And, and they said, hey man, we're just obeying God. <laughs> we're, we're, we're just praying. That's all we're doing. And the guy started weeping uncontrollably started sobbing 
and asked them how he could know a relationship with Jesus Christ, right? They said in just a couple of days, God had led them to 20 different people that they could pray with, that they could talk with, that they could share the gospel with. And he said, we still don't have any idea what we're doing. He said, we don't have any clue. We can't go in, and we really don't want to get suspended, so don't tell anybody. Whoops. Um, <laughs> right? Sorry, Jacob, right? But, but we're just praying for people that Jesus would break in. He said, because we'll go anywhere, and we will do anything to share the good news of Jesus Christ with anyone. And, and there's sometimes that we think about doing things like this, and it makes us uncomfortable, doesn't it? It kind of gets us outside of our comfort zone. We're, we're kind of anxious or nervous or fearful or uncomfortable. And, you know, I can't go there because what will people think? Or I can't do that because I don't know how they might respond. Or I, I can't be known as a person who does that. And I want you to hear me say this. It's perfectly normal. It's perfectly normal. When you follow the will of God, you ought to be uncomfortable. When you follow the will of God, it ought to make you a little bit nervous. You shouldn't be in control. You should be a little bit afraid. But I want you to hear this word that God gives the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 18. I want you to hear what God says. He says, one night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision, and he said, do not, say it with me, do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent, for I am with you, and no one is going to attack and harm you because I have many people in this city. Say that with me. Many people in this city. One more time. Many people in this city. I'm telling you, First Church, I have a hard time even reading this verse without getting choked up, without getting emotional, because I know that this was God's promise to Paul 2,000 years ago in his ministry, but I also have to believe that it is God's promise for First Church right here and today that he has many people in this city. He's got many people. So he says, don't be afraid. Don't be silent. Don't stop. Keep going. Go anywhere. Do anything. Reach anyone because I have many people in this city. Do you believe that, First Church? There's many people in this city, and we have just seen the tip of the iceberg of what we believe that God is going to do in this place. You say, Andrew, all this stuff, this is pretty big. It's a big vision, right? And I'm going to end with the way that we began. We have a big vision because we serve a big God. We have a big dream because we serve a big God. We're not going to insult God with our small dreams, we're not going to insult God with our small prayers. We are going to call out in faith, knowing that if he has granted the vision, then he will grant the way forward. We have a big vision because we have a big God. And what I'm telling you, First Church, is that when you're consumed by a vision, nothing else matters. When you're consumed by the vision of God, nothing else matters. There is no pain, there is no trial, there is no suffering, there is no difficulty, there is no issue because God has called you and nothing else will matter. The, the truth is, I, I don't know about you, but this is why I exist. This is why I am here. Somebody could offer me a better job and I'll say, no thanks. Somebody could offer me more money and I'll say, doesn't matter. 
And somebody can offer me higher status, and I'll say, who cares? Somebody can offer me more joy, and I'll say, impossible, because this is what God has called me to do. This is who God has called me to be, to live out God's story in our community. And what I'm here to tell you today, that the local church is the hope of the world. We could do immeasurably more together than we ever could apart. And what I believe is that the fulfillment of our vision will determine the future of our community. One out of every two people are desperate. They're desperate for hope. They're desperate for life. They're desperate to turn the page, to write a new chapter, to tell a different story. And we are the light of the world. We are the salt of the earth. And you and I have been called to live out God's story. Show me something more important, First Church, and we ought to get up and leave right now. But I'm convinced that you can't because this is why we're here. This is what we do, and this is who we are. Jesus, we thank you so much for the opportunity to be in your presence today. We ask, Lord, that you'd come and speak to us and have your way in this place. As we pray, the invitation this morning really is very simple. Uh, Jesus is asking you, um, are you in? <laughs> are you in? Will you go anywhere? Will you do anything? And will you reach anyone with the good news of Jesus Christ? Living on mission. And, and don't be confused. Don't be deceived. This calling is for everyone. It's for every single one of us here today. But I don't want you to respond to it just because you think it's the right thing to do. Just because it's the Christian thing to do. Just because the person sitting next to you is doing it, or your parents doing it, or your child's doing it, or your spouse is doing it. I want you to respond to this because you are hearing the voice of Jesus speaking to your heart, and he's saying, that's my call for you. Reach anyone. Do anything. Go anywhere with the good news of Jesus Christ. If that's you this morning and you hear the voice of the Spirit speaking to you, this is his call for your life. There's nothing more important. If you find something else more important, tell me. We'll get up and we'll leave and go do that. But for you, this is the most important thing of your life. This is your all-consuming vision. If that's you today, would you lift up your hand right now? Would you lift up your hand right now? The most important thing, praise God, hands up everywhere. The most important thing, the most important thing in your life. Jesus, you see our hands. You know our hearts. You hear us today, Jesus. Lord, we're just desperate for more of you. We're desperate to be consumed by your vision. There's nothing else that matters. There's nothing else that's more important. There's nothing else that's more meaningful to us than living out your story in our community. So show us, Jesus. Show us the way. It makes us nervous. We don't know what to do. We're kind of uncomfortable. That's not our thing, and yet we just are following orders. Whatever it is that you want to do, Jesus, we'll do it for you. You have all of us today. As we continue to pray, spirit of prayer, there are some of you here this morning that God has been speaking to your heart that this moment right here is why you're here. This moment right now is why you're here. If some of you here today, this is your first time at First Church. Or maybe you've been to First Church before, been to another church, but this is kind of your first time. And you walked in and you thought you knew what church was all about. Uh, you thought you knew how church worked. And then you walked in and you said, man, if this is a church like this, if they're real about this thing, I can get behind it. I can give my life for that. That's something given my life for. Maybe you're here today and you've just kind of gone through the motions for a number of months or a number of years. 
and, and you've just been doing all the things. You kind of got your Christian checklist and you marked off, all right, Sunday morning worship, we're good. See you next week. But today, the Holy Spirit spoke into your heart and he's saying, you know what? This is for you. Your mission, your purpose, your life. Stop going through the motions. Stop doing things just at a bare minimum because I want all of you. I want you all in. I want you to give your life for this kind of mission because this is why I came. And there's some of you here today and you're saying, man, I've done some things I shouldn't have done. And I said some things I shouldn't have said and I've gone some places I shouldn't have gone. But today the Holy Spirit's speaking to your heart and he's saying, guess what? It doesn't matter. (laughs) It doesn't matter because today is the day of your salvation. Today is the day that your past is in the past. Today is the day that Jesus takes all of your sins and he casts them as far as the east is from the west. And Jesus took them for you. He paid the price for your sins. And so today, if the Holy Spirit's speaking to your heart and you're tired of just going through the motions, you're tired of just doing things because you you thought you were supposed to do them, or you didn't have anything, any clue about this Christian thing, but here you are today and you say, I need Jesus. I need a savior. I need forgiveness. I need purpose, I need mission, I need direction, and I can give my life for this. I need Jesus. If that's your prayer today, would you lift your hand up right now, right where you are? That's your prayer. Praise be to God. Who else? Thanks be to God. Who else? Thanks be to God, you guys down here. Praise God. Who else? Thank you. Praise God. Who else? Who else? Thank you, brother. Who else? This is it. Thank you, sister. Thank you, sister. Who else? This is it. This is why you're here. See you guys. See you three back there. Praise God for you. (laughs) Praise God for you. Who else? This is it. This is why you're here. This is why you exist. Don't miss your moment. Today is the day. Today is the day of your salvation. Today is the day. Thank you to me, Jesus. Thanks be to God. If you would, lift up your voices. Pray alongside your neighbor. Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. I need you. Jesus, you died so I could be forgiven. Jesus, you rose so I could be set free. Make me new. Make me clean. Make me whole. And send me on mission with the good news of Jesus Christ. I'm never turning back. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. First Church, can we thank God for lives that are being changed right here in this place. Thanks be to Jesus. Thanks be to God.